Praise God. God's going to speak to us right now. I believe the Lord has a word. And I didn't get to many, many of the points that I had last week. So I sought the Lord and I said, you want me to go into this again? So this is week number five. The Lord's trying to get our attention because I'm preaching this is week number five. This is part five of being a kingdom of priests. Say, we are a kingdom of priests. The Lord has called us to be priests for him. Now, we love the glory of God that surrounds us. We love the blood of Jesus that covers us. We love the work that he does in us at the cross and in repentance and getting us back up again and setting our feet upon the rock. Amen? Amen. But he has also called us to be priests to serve in his kingdom. And what I've been uh, preaching on by bringing us to this is that there is something different about us when his blood is done a work in us. We are not just saved. We have not just purchased a ticket to heaven, right? Come on, we have not just been, you know, the Lord would just bring us to heaven then, right? When we got saved, it was not, okay, you're going to go to heaven, now just go back to your life, go live your life. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus did something supernatural in us. And what I want to be clear is that uh, and, and Jeannie actually brought this up in our Tuesday night Bible study. What does God require of us? Maybe not in those exact words, but that same thought. You know, God is still God. Let's just, let's just raise our hands and testify. God is God. I mean, that's powerful. It's funny that little tiny us, I mean, I don't think, in the scale of the universe, we don't have the instruments to measure us. No, literally, if you were to take the universe, we literally don't have a magnifying device with computers, etc. We, we wouldn't be able to see us. We're so small. And yet the Lord calls us friends. That's amazing. And simultaneously, he requires much of us. We don't want to talk about those things because it seems like law and legalism. And I've been bringing us into this thing about priest because it sounds like an Old Testament term, isn't it? And here it is in Revelation, we're a kingdom of priests. Peter being priest, a holy nation. What I want to talk to us about today is distinction. I mentioned this word last week, and I'm going to get into this now. Everybody say the word distinction. A distinction is something that separates, right, one thing from another, one person from another, one group from another. And God made distinctions between his people and the other nations throughout the entire Bible. Who's aware of that? Right? We, were just, we just read about Moses, you know, leading the people out into the wilderness <laughs> and then into the promised land, right? We've been reading through Exodus. We've read, we've read this together as the church. But while they were in Egypt, there were some things happening, and the Lord said, I'm going to make a distinction between you 
and Egypt, and God protected them, and he did some things differently with his people than he did in Egypt. Amen. Thank God through the blood and grace of Jesus that all, I want you to say this out loud with me, because there are ideals, there are theologies out there that don't believe this, but you ready for this? Let's say this out loud. All, that's it, that's all I want you to say, because I'm going to say all are welcome into God's presence and into eternity. All. There are many verses that make this crystal clear. There are thinking and theologies that believe that some were born to be damned and some were born to be saved from the beginning of time. There's nothing you can do about it. You know me, I firmly reject these theologies. God's looking for a distinction in us, and even with the grace of Christ, he is still looking for us to choose to be separate. <clears throat> it's the grace of God that does it. We give all glory to Jesus. You can take no credit, and yet there is a choice to be separate. Who chose Christ? Was anybody forced Christ? Right? Each and every one of us, when we came to Jesus, I made a choice to follow him. Jesus offered that choice as we got into during worship. He gave that choice to many some followed him, some didn't. And even to Peter, even to Peter, he says, are you going to leave also? But Peter responds like we do. Where else are we going to go? You're the Christ. Let's look in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I want to get into this about being a, d a distinction. And I'm just going to make some points throughout today's sermon. Uh, not, you know, not in some a numerical form, but a little bit different than last week. But I believe the Lord wants to, to speak some things here. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, and I alluded to this verse last week. I just read the beginning of it and didn't finish it. It says, don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness. Now, before I continue, I just want to be clear. Jesus sat with the prostitute, right? Jesus sat with the tax collectors. Jesus was not afraid to go and be with the scum of the earth. Meanwhile, the religious, those who dressed really, really nice on Sunday in their gowns, they didn't understand Jesus and accused him of spending time with these sinners, and then Jesus is like, well, what, which is it? You say we don't fast, but then you also call me a drunk. He was, he was not a drunk, was he? But they just, there was a group of people that just wanted to accuse. They couldn't understand what Jesus was doing, that Jesus was not afraid to be with the world. Come on, we are in this world. Amen. We're just not of this world. You are going to be amongst unbelievers. And, you know, people swear in my ear. It doesn't even faze me. I'm not saying I don't hear it, but I'm not judging them because they don't know any better. I don't even, it doesn't even faze me. People are talking dirty around me. I'm not saying, you ready? I'm not saying I'm going to do that or I'm going to be around them, but I'm not going to partner with it. Or I don't need to join in so that we now are one because that's what you're becoming. 
There needs to be a distinction. Eventually, what happens? What do they do? Come on. You don't swear long enough, what happens? They notice. All of a sudden, they go, oh, sorry. Why? Because there's a distinction. So the Bible says this is not some sort of self-righteous. We're not better than the world. This is not you being holy and high-minded, okay? This is you being like Christ, which is you're in the world, but you are not part of wickedness. You are not part of darkness. The Bible says, verse 15, what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? And I love this because he's just calling it like it is. Here's 2 Corinthians, 2,000-year-old text, just telling us, 2023, how can Christ and the devil work together? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? You are not called to be worldly. There was a distinction. God was calling you to be, we're going to get into this. I'm going to say this word now. We're going to get into it today. Holy. You are called to be holy. Say, I'm called to be holy. And it's not the picture of holiness, this religious thing that our brains have. Holiness is not being quiet. Holiness is not incense. Right? Holiness is not church. Holiness means to be separated for God's purposes. That means that we don't talk like the world, we don't act like the world. Our desires, our plans, our purposes are God's. Amen. That's the simplicity of holiness. And what union, verse 16, can there be between God's temple and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. I mean, that's just, this is just so powerful when we hear these verses. We just, we forget. And I've been bringing this up a lot within the last six months, and now talking about priests, bringing this back in again. God dwells in us. That means when I came into this room to worship him together, we come in corporately, right? We come in as a group, and we call this room today on Sunday the church. But I am the church, and you are the church, and you are the church leaving this place. That's what my word says. Because I'm a temple, and you're a temple, and God is in us. He's among us. He's our God, He's, and we are his people. Amen. That's a powerful statement that we must be reminded of. It says, verse 17, therefore, right, the old Christianese saying, it's there for a reason, but it's true. Therefore, come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. Wow. So something happened at the cross, didn't it? And it wasn't just Jesus. Something happened with you and I at the cross, didn't it? It wasn't just salvation. Amen. I mean, who's, let's just be thankful. I've been doing this each week because I, I don't want to be talking about, I'm talking about two different things here. I'm not talking about your salvation that was done at the cross. I'm talking about you on this earth. All right, anybody still on the earth? If you're on the earth, raise your hand. Let's see. <laughs> Jesus did a salvation work at the cross, but I'm still on the earth, which means there's something and I wouldn't be a good preacher if all I did every week was just say, the Lord loves you, be encouraged. 
Yes, that's the gospel, but there's more to it. He also said, come out from among unbelievers. Separate yourselves from the sinners around you, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things, and I will welcome you. He also said that. Amen? The Bible says here in Revelation chapter 18, verse 2, he's, this is prophecy, but he's talking about the time when Babylon, that great city Babylon, right? The sin city, the real sin city, not Las Vegas. Babylon. There's a time, the Bible says in Revelation, when Babylon falls, and this is what it says. It says in uh, Revelation 18, 2, that it's become a home for demons, a hideout for foul spirits, right? Verse 3, it says, because of her desires for extravagant luxury, the merchants of the world have grown rich. There's this connection between the real sin city, Babylon, this desire for worldliness, and the Bible says that that time, I believe that we're in it now, would be on the earth that there is this desire to be worldly, and it's so easy to be, but the verse that I want us to see is verse 4, but then I heard another voice. Wow, that's just powerful enough. Everybody say, I heard another voice. You know, the Lord is always speaking. It's almost like a radio, right? Who's ever turned the... I know we're, we don't have these anymore. What's a radio? Turn the dial on that old thing, right? Not just YouTube, hit play. But there's this whole line of stations. The Lord's always speaking, and you can tune into what you want to hear. I can be listening to self-help, self-help, self-help. I can be listening to evil, I mean, I can choose what I want to listen to. It can, it can seem good and not, and it can just be outright evil. But either way, it's worldly, but there is a channel, right? Not, I'm not trying to use New Age theology. I'm just saying that there is a voice. The Lord is speaking. There is another voice speaking. And the Lord's saying just, he's saying something very simply. The world right now is making decisions, the world right now is making decisions to live their own way. This is what the Lord's saying. The Lord's saying, we've come to a time in history where anybody can do whatever they want. Anybody can become whatever and whoever they want. But there's another voice speaking, and it's the Lord saying, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins or you will be punished with her. I mean, this is a very, very direct verse. He's talking to believers, because this is revelation. Revelation was sent to what? Come on, we know it. What are the first chapters? Who'd they get, who did this book get sent to? The churches, right. So we're talking to believers. This is not unbelievers getting punished. He's saying, I don't want anyone to get punished. God doesn't want the world to be punished. God wants all to come to him. God wants everyone to repent. Come on, that's what the word says. I wish, right? I want all to repent. I want all to come to me. I paid, I paid with my own blood for this entire earth. But he says they're rejecting me. They don't want me. The world doesn't want me. I'm offering them life. I'm offering them the best 
that they could possibly wish and hope and desire and dream for. I mean, like we, you know, little kids, right? I want to be this when I grow up, and I and I'm going to be a princess, and I'm going to be an astronaut. And the Lord's like, listen, you don't even understand what I'm offering you and what I've done for you. Those are, you know, those are fine little dreams, but I'm literally the the Son of God. I paid a price for you with my blood, and I will give you a seat with me on my throne. I mean, wow. But the Bible says there would be many that would reject him. We shouldn't be confused by that. We should, our heart breaks that people don't want Christ, but we should be aware that this is what the Bible said would happen. They just don't want him. Why? It's very simple. Why don't people want Jesus? Why is he so rejected? It's so simple. They want to do what they want to do. The Bible, go right back to Genesis. I mean, right before the flood, we're talking chapter 6, every man did what was right in his own eyes. This is the same story over and over again. People just want to do what they want to do. That's the only reason they don't want Jesus, because Jesus, the real Jesus, not this fake gospel, the real Jesus tells you you need to change, not to get saved, but when you come into my presence and I do a work in you, you're not going to leave the same. Come on, we, we all know it's true because how many say, I got to get cleaned up first before I come to him? We, even the sinner knows there's something that needs to change. Even the sinner who doesn't want to change knows something is going to happen when I come to Christ and I don't want something to happen. Come on, isn't that amazing that they're even testifying what's going to happen? I don't want to change. I want to be a sinner. Sinning's fun. The Bible says sin is fun for a season, right? Its end is destruction. So the Lord says, that's going to happen. There's nothing you can do about it. It doesn't give the Lord any joy to prophesy it in Revelation, and it doesn't give me any joy to say it from the pulpit that sinners are going to be punished whatsoever. I pray and cry that the sinner would repent. But my word says, for us as believers, and that's the sermon today, it will be easy to be drawn into their circles, into their crowds, into their theologies, into their ideas, right? The world just keeps drawing you in, and you're weirder and weirder if you don't accept and believe what the world believes. And the Lord's saying, you're going to have to make a choice. Come on. The Bible does not say in 2 Corinthians 6, I will separate you. The Bible does not say in Revelation 18, don't worry, I will pull you out of the world. The Bible tells me in 2 Corinthians 6, separate yourselves. The Bible tells me in Revelation 18, come away from her, my people. Do not take part in her sins. If he's telling us not to do something, what is the inclination that he's trying to stop? That we would take part in her sins. The Bible says here in Matthew, and are we getting anything out of this? Anybody getting anything? The book of Malachi, chapter 3, and this is the last book of the Old Testament before the New Testament. And there's a prophecy in here. He says, I'm sending my messenger, and he's going to prepare the way before me, and the messenger's got a message. Amen, right? We are messengers with a message as well, right before the second coming of the Lord. Amen. Just like the first coming, there was a messenger with a message. The Lord sent even me here today, and the Lord's going to send you into your workplaces and your families as a messenger with a message. And what is the message? The Lord you were seeking, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, the Lord you are seeking will suddenly come to his temple. That's the message. 
And what happens when he comes? He's going to do some things, isn't he? Lord's going to do a few things. So he tells us in advance. He told them in Malachi, I'm coming. Guess what? He came, didn't he? He's telling us today, I'm coming. And guess what? He's going to come. He is coming. The Lord is coming. Amen. And so he says, verse 7, you've scorned my decrees. You failed to obey them. So he says, the Lord is not saying, you're such idiots. I can't stand you. You just never do what I want you to do. Go to your room. Thank God the Lord doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, yeah, you've done these things, but I love you so much that I'm telling you in advance, right now, return to me. Come on, the Lord, everybody, see, nobody cares about God until something bad happens in their life. Then they point their finger and say, God did this. Nobody gives them any acknowledgement until he did something wrong in their life or he abandoned them or should have been there. I never even recognized you at one second of my life, but you should have been there in this moment. The Lord's so kind to us. He doesn't act like we do. He is with us all the time, and he is constantly calling. He's constantly wooing us. There is a greater level that he's calling the Christian to walk in. There is a place that he is calling every single person. Until the day you die, he's calling you higher and higher and higher. I love that. I just mentioned it just very briefly last week, but when we read about Moses, do you notice that he just keeps going higher? I'm like, man, how tall was this mountain? Because he says he calls them up. Then he leaves them there. Then Joshua comes with him. And then Moses goes even higher. There's a place in God, right? And that's where the presence of God was. And the glory of God came. And it was so glorious. He said, you better take your shoes off. That's the Lord we're talking about. That's the same God. It's the same God. We think of Moses as serving some sort of different God, but then we've got Jesus as our homeboy. You know, that was the hat going around like 10, 15 years ago. Jesus is my homeboy. I praise God that Jesus is my best friend, that he lets me be his friend, but he's still God. Come on. Jesus is my friend, but he's still God. The word does not suddenly get negated because Jesus was loving. We, we think because Jesus was loved, the whole Bible is irrelevant. Oh, don't worry, Jesus loves you. It's like this cop-out. It's like this, we're just going to smear your sin in blood. That's not what the blood meant. We're not wiping out sins with his blood without what? What's the key word? Repentance. At least that's what my Bible says. So he's warning here about Christ. So it's Old Testament, and yet it's all pointing to Christ. And he says, return to me, and I will return to you. Why would we not want to return to him? Because the Lord's promising, if I'll go in deeper into his presence, if I will just shed more and more of me off and come to him, he's going to come to me. We see this in James, right? Draw near to me, and I'll draw near to you. Why would we not want to draw deeper? Amen. But I love this. This is what it says in Malachi chapter 3, verse 14. And this is, man, this is, this is just such an amazing little blip of a story here. It says in verse 14 that the Lord says he's hearing the world. He hears people saying this. 
And this is what the Lord hears today. The Bible says that the Lord's listening to what you're saying. Do you realize that? We think that the Lord doesn't see what we're doing. I'm going to hide over here and the Lord doesn't know. The Lord doesn't see. The Lord doesn't care. But he said, I heard you when you said, what's the use of serving God? I heard you when you, when you thought it, he said. He said, you said, what have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? Wow. The Bible says that the Lord heard when people were trying to say, this salvation thing hasn't really helped me much. I haven't felt like I gained anything. I thought I would gain, and I just don't, I'm trying to figure out what have I gained here. They had the wrong perspective, didn't they? They must not have realized. Anyway, the Bible says here in verse 16, I want to get into, just keep, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but verse 16, it says, this is the part that I love. And this is us here today. Come on, let's just testify. This is me. Let's just say, that's me. That's me, Lord. It says that those who feared the Lord, come on, who fears the Lord? That's what my Bible says. Why are we afraid to say it? I'm afraid to say fear. That's, I think, what do they call it? Oxymoron? We should not be afraid to say, I fear the Lord. My Bible says that God takes notice. If God notices something, why shouldn't I talk about it? Maybe we haven't talked about it because the devil doesn't want us talking about it. Wow, that was blunt. Then those who feared the Lord spoke with each other, and they listened to what the Lord listened to what they said, and in his presence, in God's presence, a scroll of remembrance was written to record the names. Come on, whose name is in that book? Is your name in this book? I want my name in that book. It says that he recorded the names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. Come on, let's be the real church. We don't need to try to copy churchianity. We don't need to try to be anything or anybody else other than what the word, which is pointing to the Lord's will. Come on, if you want the Lord's will, it's his word. The word is not archaic. You cannot have the church without the word. We cannot have Christ without the word made flesh, which means if we want Christ, then we must have his word. And his word says that the Lord takes notice. When I listen, when I just stop what I'm doing, I put all of my things aside, and I said, Lord, what is your will? What do you want? And I'm honoring him. Amen. Wow, it's so good. It's amazing. And then he says this in verse 18, and this is the distinction. He says, then you, so something happens. What happens? When you choose to fear God, when you say, I could do this and I could do that, and the world says, this is what I should do right now. The world says, you've been fighting with that old hag long enough. It's time for you to go live your life. Come on, no, let's just be, let's just be real. Let's be real. Is it okay if I'm real? You've been fighting, I'm going to say it again because it's funny. You've been fighting with that old hag long enough. It's time for you to go be you. Go find a new woman. Go get yourself a new life, right? Come on, the world talks like this, and they really think that that's wise. Don't worry. They'll say, you can find someone too. I'm not saying, like, you have to suffer. You go find someone new as well. 
I'll find something, someone new, you go find someone new, and we'll be happy. That's what the word... The Bible says, but something happens when I choose to do it God's way and not my way, and the Lord takes notice, and something supernatural happens, something spiritual changes. And the Bible says, then you will see the difference. Everybody say the difference. This is that same word, distinction. Then you will see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked. I'm not talking about the self-righteous. I'm talking about God's righteousness worked in you. He makes us righteous. There are no righteous, are there? Only in Christ Jesus. We are, our righteousness comes from him. But you will see when you get into his presence and you let him change you, you will not be like the world. It says between those who serve God and those who do not. If we truly know him and we are his witnesses, then we are separated from the world. Here's just some words that the word, here's some words that the word says about us. We are aliens, not aliens like little green men, but we are legal aliens. We are legal aliens. That means the Lord, we are still living in this earth, but this is not our home. Right? We've crossed the border legally into the, into the United States, and we live here <laughs> by the Lord's power for a season, and then we're going to leave this body and go into heaven forever. But for the time being, I'm an alien in the earth. He calls me an ambassador. He says, I'm consecrated. Come on, let's just think of these things. You are consecrated. He says, we are holy. In fact, Jesus says, I'm going to put it in my own language, but he says, don't even try to fit in to this world. He says, don't try and look like the world. Don't try and be like the world. In fact, he says, the odd thing, you ready for this? The odd thing is not when they reject you. Jesus said, it's odd if they don't reject you. Wow. We're not to seek for acceptance. In fact, the Bible says, if pleasing people were my goal, then I wouldn't be pleasing God. Amen. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, So prepare your minds for action. It's been said many times, I'm going to say it again. Action always accompanies faith. I confess I believe. The Bible says the demons believe and they tremble, right? The demons believe and they tremble. If you were to take James and you put it into 2023 language, it says, so what? You believe, good for you. Put action to that belief. It says, so prepare your minds. It says, I believe. And, I, and it says, and exercise self-control. My Bible does not say that God will prepare my mind, although I know he's doing it. Come on, who can testify that you haven't done anything, but God's done it? Amen. But the Holy Spirit prompts in you, I don't want you to talk that way anymore, right? Who had the promptings from the Lord? I don't want you to do that anymore. Something in you just doesn't feel right. So it's not God, not do, it's not taking any glory away from him. It's not you and yet you've decided to join together. That's that Greek word I love, koinonia. That's the partnership. 
right? That's what the Bible says. I've come into partnership with Christ. That means that he does the supernatural part that I can't do. I don't have the power to do it, but I'm going to join and say, yes, your will be done. And just by saying yes to him, just like we did at the cross, the, when we did it at the cross, now I'm going to continue to walk out every step of the way. The Lord says, I want you to walk this way. I, don't ha I can't. I can't do that, Lord. I don't have the strength. I don't have the will. I can't keep my tongue from speaking against that person. They irritate me so much, Lord. I can't stop. And the Lord's like, just go to make the action to close your mouth today, and I'll help you do it. And who's seen that? Maybe you failed and failed and failed and failed again. And then one day, now all of a sudden, you don't hate that person. You love that person. Now you find yourself praying for that person. And this is what the Bible is saying. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And then he says, verse 14, so you must live as God's obedient children. I love how the NLT translates this in verse 14. You may know it as not conforming yourselves to the former lust, as in your ignorance. That's New King James. But um, it puts it in such easy-to-understand language. It says, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. It says, you didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. My Bible says that I must be holy in everything. Everybody say everything. In everything I do, and, and in case Peter was like, you know what, people are quibblers. Peter's like, you know what, everybody's looking for a loophole. Everybody's looking for a way out. So I'm just going to I'm going to put a comma here and make this crystal clear. I'm not talking about you just being holy and you looking holy and acting holy just as God who chose you is holy. Wow. The type the level of holiness that he's calling us to is God holiness. I've said it before when I was a kid, I was rebellious. My mom said something to me. She's like, "Would Jesus do that?" And I said, well, Mom, I'm not Jesus. But my Bible says that's not an excuse. My Bible says it's not Christ. It's not I who lives, but it's Christ who lives in me. So I can't do it, but Christ in me can, and I need to let him. Amen. And remember that your heavenly Father, verse 17, uh, says, to whom you pray has no favorites. He says, he will judge or reward you according to what you pray. According to what you think. According to what you believe. According to what you do. He's going to judge your actions, not your intentions. Now, the grace of Christ... Thank God that his grace helps me do it. Amen. Come on, let's just praise him for the grace of God. But he says, I'm going to judge you for what you did on the earth. So you must live in reverent fear of him 
during, here's that, here's that alien thing again here. Here it is. During your time here as temporary residents. Everybody say, I'm a temporary resident. And I'll just say it for you, but while I'm here as a temporary resident, he's called me to live in reverent fear of him during this time because he's going to judge me for what I do. Come on, do you want a fake gospel? Would you rather that you stand before the Lord and you say, my pastor didn't tell me these things, Lord, because the Lord's judging you. Imagine you get stopped. I mean, man, who gets mad when you hear about a new law? Right? Police officer writing you a ticket. Like, I didn't even know that law existed. You kind of feel a little bit like uh, wronged, but you're the one in the wrong. But your lack of knowledge, right, makes you feel like he's in the wrong, or she, the cop. But meanwhile, it's not their job to make sure you know the law. It's their job to enforce the law. You had every right to go and read the law. Wow. Come on. I mean, the Lord's really just saying some things like it is today. A little bit different this week than last week. I, I just a different thing going on here. But I praise God. This is his word, isn't it? You don't hear a lot of my opinion. I'm reading a lot of scripture here today. It says, but this is what's amazing. So, Verse 17, we need to get to verse 18 because this will just bring it together. Verse 18, he's saying, I'm asking you to do this, but, but, but listen, Peter. He's saying, listen, I'm asking you to do something that seems impossible and seems so hard. And you're like, man, are we getting right back into works? I thought that's what we were delivered of. And he says, verse 18, remember, God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And... It was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value, verse 19. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. That makes verse 17 make a lot more sense and make me feel very humble before the Lord. When I realize what he's asking me to do is because Christ gave his blood for me. He's not asking me to do something, and he didn't do anything. He's like, I gave my blood. Now I want you to live in my ways. The Lord is watching, isn't he? You know he's looking for you. The Bible says in 2 Chronicles 16, verse 9, another one of my faves. Man, it says, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, it says that the eyes of the Lord search the earth. You know that God is literally searching the earth. He's searching, even present tense, through the blood of Christ, through the grace of Christ. You know, if it wasn't for the grace of Christ, all of us, we wouldn't have made it. Right? Come on, don't think that this is works, because Old Testament, you even talked back to your parents and you were stoned to death. So don't try to think they were in some sort of works thing. We are living under grace. Amen. Who should have been stoned many times? I don't know. Man, I would have been stoned so many times. It'd be Mount Everest on top of me by now. But God is looking. He's literally searching the earth, looking. He says, I'm looking because I want to... Your translation might show to show himself strong. NLT says to strengthen you. He's looking to find those. He's looking for people to give them life, to strengthen them, to, to build them up. Wow. 
but God's looking for people that are fully committed to him. I'm wrapping up here. I basically, I, I thought of this, this line, I, I want to safeguard our faith, and I want us to see what God requires, because I've heard preach, preachers count, countless times, countless times, that the Old Testament commands are impossible to follow. Come on, who's heard this? The Old Testament commands were impossible to follow, and no one could completely follow them, so they all point to Christ, right? <clears throat> I wholeheartedly agree that the Old Testament points to the New Testament, and I wholeheartedly agree that everything points to Jesus, and I wholeheartedly agree that he is the center, he's the source, he's our salvation, he's our reason for living. But this idea that there were commands before, but now just follow Jesus, don't worry about commands, that's Old Testament. Spiritually, I agree. I agree with that with the idea that they're that they're trying to say, but I disagree so much more because it's a mixture of scriptures of grace. It's a mixture, even like Peter warned that they they take Paul's words and they twist them. You know, the Bible tells us what what they would do two thousand years in advance. Two thousand years ago, Peter's like, you know, Paul's words are hard to understand, and people take them and they they're going to twist them. They twist them now; they're going to twist them in the future. And Paul's like, you know, the father of grace, and they took him and they mixed this like weird theology. It's not biblical. Jesus said, just quickly, I know the time is ticking here, but Jesus said, "Follow me." Jesus said, "Pick up your cross." Jesus said, "Don't be so quick to follow me. Count the cost first. Jesus said, "You want to follow me? That's fine, but just be aware the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head." This was the Lord. This is the Son of God. This is Jesus. People are like, I want to follow you. Here's the altar call. Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you doing running up here to the altar call? Just wait a second. Don't say yes that quickly. I want you to stop and think about what you're saying yes to. You're giving your life to me. You're going to become a slave to me. I'll love you. I'll be your friend. You can't imagine the life that I have for you. You can't imagine the rewards in heaven. But I need you to understand that on this earth there will be troubles. But take heart. Take heart, because I'll send the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you every step of the way. I'll put my angels around you, but sometimes they're going to mock you. Sometimes I may even put you in prison. I need you to understand here what you're saying yes to. We read Psalm 119 yesterday, and I was just overwhelmed. Come on, who, who's reading the Bible with us, right? And we just read Psalm 119. and I mean, I've read it a man, you know, many times, but I'm reading it, and it's just the word, the word, the word, the word, the word. That hasn't changed. I'm sitting there reading it, and I know I'm closing, but I, I just need to say this. I wanted to Google it because I was like, I wonder how many commands there are in the Old Testament. So I looked it up. There's actually books written on it. I'm sure there's many, many books arguing because everybody's got to argue about everything. But anyway, there are books that say 613. That's the commands of the Old Testament. Everybody just say 613. So 613 commands, again, people can argue, I don't care, about 600, okay? I was like, well, I wonder how many commands there are in the New Testament. Do you know in the New Testament there is 1,050? Freed from the law and under grace, 613 commands in the Old Testament, 1,050 in the New Testament. Books written about that, too, and again, again, people argue. They say you could break it down into 800 commands said more than once. But still, anybody want to do your math in here? What's greater? Come on, we're bringing the little kids in. What's a bigger number, 800 or 600? 
what was the point? Am I, was my point to tell you today that you need to follow commands and go home and try to be good and do what Jesus said? That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that it's supernatural. It's his doing. But there, is, there are commands. Jesus has required us. Being the priest of Christ, it comes with requirements. It comes, you are walking in his presence. You are carrying his glory. And there is a way. God has a way. God is not disorderly. God has placed the sun and the earth and the moon at such precision, right? Science has figured this out, right? If the moon moves a tiny bit, we get a tidal wave, takes out the earth, right? God is not uh, flippant. God is perfect, and God has precision, and he is not expecting you to try to do that. Can you guys give me just one more minute? Okay, just one more. Because I just realized this really needs to come together with this. Romans chapter 12 says in verse 1, to, to give your bodies. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, everybody say, I want to give my body to God because of all he has done for me. All right, that's it. Give yourself to him because it says, let them be living and holy sacrifice. Your body, your life is actually a sacrifice. What happened on the sacrifice? You ready? I can just tell you. Here's the meat. Here's the fire. No more meat. Okay? Romans 12. Here's me. Here's the fire, the glory of God. No more me. Your life is called to be a sacrifice this is the true way to worship him. You want to worship him, it's not a song. It's not good Christianity. It is giving your life fully. And here, here we go, verse 2, just for time. Verse 2 says, well, can, you can bring it up New King James. Do not be conformed to this world, but let God transform you by the renewing of your mind. Everything I've just preached today, and you being holy, and you walking out a thousand commands, it's not God asking you to walk back in law. It is the only reason that he can give you more. Remember Jesus said, you have said, right, do not murder, but I'm going to double down. Anybody know what a double down is? Sinners know. I'm going to double down and tell you, don't even hate your brother. Well, that's impossible. Well, Jesus is like, well, you're thinking like the old man. You're not getting it. You need to go through, remember, Rick, here's your favorite sermon. That transformation is a metamorphosis. That's when this little creepy, hairy, multi-legged thing, creature we call a caterpillar, who's stuck at moving, right, at a caterpillar pace, is stuck on the earth, can't seem to get anywhere, can't, can't seem to get anything done because it takes him so long. And then the Lord's like, Come into my cocoon, come into the coffin, come in and die. And when you come out, you're going to be able to get <laughs> where it took you a lifetime, took you your entire life to crawl here. You're going to fly past where, where you were in about one second, and I'm going to give you freedom to come and go everywhere you want. That's the type of thing. That's what I'm talking about. You need to go through a complete and total 
change where it's not you anymore. And now it's not you trying to fulfill commands. It's that you can't even help but, but do what the Lord's asking you to do because you're so overwhelmed by his love, his grace, his mercy. Something supernatural has changed. And if that hasn't happened in you yet, then you need to go into the cocoon and finish this metamorphosis. Amen. Okay, there we go. Praise God. I'm just going to let that marinate now for the rest of the day. Just thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord God. That that's the work we just want you to keep doing in us, Lord. I haven't finished it. Lord, we haven't finished it. You're going to keep changing us into the image of Christ to reflect you and to walk like you on this earth, Lord. It's for our own good, and it's for the good of those around us to see the real light. Thank you, Lord, to set them free as well. I thank you, Jesus, that you're going to do it in us supernaturally. We can't do it, but we give ourselves to you as sacrifices and ask you, Lord, to transform us. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord.